Hello, welcome to our second spotlight feature on the Contextual Safeguarding Network. I'm Delphine Peace, and today I'm speaking to Sophie Whitehouse and Maddie Tester from Ada and Worthing Councils. Sophie's lead for early health and well-being, and Maddie is the Contextual Safeguarding Coordinator. Over the past four years, Ada and Worthing have been embedding contextual safeguarding approaches and are working closely with schools, community and voluntary organizations, the police and other council departments to map out and respond to concerns of extra meal harm within peer groups and in public spaces. And Sophie and Maddie are here to tell us more about how contextual safeguarding has shaped this exciting work. So welcome Sophie and Maddie. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having Hi. us. So could you please begin by telling us a bit about your roles and how you have used contextual safeguarding approaches to develop how your service responds to extrafamilial harm? Yeah, sure. Um, so my role and uh, my team's role really is to um, reduce the harm that's caused to people and communities. Uh, it's, it's community safeguarding essentially. Um, our work is around antisocial behaviour, modern slavery, um, youth violence and youth exploitation. We're part of the communities and wellbeing team and uh, Adrian Worthing is a lower tier authority. It's just along the coast from Brighton. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a lovely place to live. We, we always um, share the fact that it's one of the safest places to live, but like lots of areas, we're not immune to threats of um, county lines and growing violence and group offending amongst young people. So we, as a lower tier authority, we have responsibility for the real place-based services. So we, we don't hold responsibility for things like social care and education. We have more local level services, such as licensing, planning, environmental health, um, waste and cleansing, uh, parks maintenance, that sort of thing. Uh, and also the very local responses to issues around crime and disorder. I suppose because we don't have the social care and education responsibility, we've been focused on developing a very place-based local response to safeguarding children. Um, so we recruited Maddie about two and a half years ago. Um, I'll let Maddie explain a little bit about her role now, if you like, Maddie. Yeah. Um, so as Sophie was saying, um, my role is sort of safeguarding, but in, in place, places um, locally in the community. So um, a lot of my time is spent looking at what is going on in our open spaces, such as parks or um, in, in our town centres. Um, and really sort of working with different agencies who might have an involvement in some way in that location to try and make it safer for our young people and, and for others who like to enjoy that area um, in the community. So um, I do have quite a lot to do with social care for individual young people, but generally what I'm looking at is that wider picture and what our young people are doing out and about um, in Ada and Worthing. Mm. Yeah, and I should just add that um, Maddie's role came about because we, we recognised that lots of the different agencies were holding information about young people and the risks that they were being exposed to. What we didn't have was a way of coordinating that. So. Um, a big part of Maddie's role is really just linking up the information that we hear and we take a really broad approach to that. So we're co-located in the police station, um, but also we have regular contact with schools, we work with um, businesses, um, and also 
the different council departments and we take all those little pieces of information and we also trawl social media as well because a lot of the intelligence around young people and how they're spending their time and, and where they might be at risk of harm is quite often shared on social media um, you know local pages that are set up for people to share information um, the, the very local media sites often post things there first so we draw everything together so we can be as confident as we can be that we've got a really good holistic picture of what's going on in our local community and, and how it all fits together and that's since grown into a whole big program of work so it does reach across the several um, council teams that I've mentioned um, some examples are that we've trained over 500 taxi drivers um, if you want to be a taxi driver in our area it's a licensed condition that you want to take training about keeping young people safe um, we've also worked with our parks team to raise awareness of things that might happen in parks and things that they might come to see um, and that also is um, supported by a weekly kind of hotspot newsletter that Maddie shares with our parks team and other services. More recently we've become involved in planning process, processes and looking at how we tender council contracts and in the new year we're going to be delivering a bespoke bite-sized training to all different council departments and those training sessions will be completely tailored to the department that we're, we're talking to. So just recognising that what people might see whilst they're out and about emptying our bins is going to be very different to what people might see in temporary accommodation. Um, so it's really making sure we've identified all the opportunities within our own organisation to intervene and increase safety, but also looking across our partners and just trying to spot any opportunity where we can increase the safety of our children and young people. Um, and another example of that is the area has a lot of Airbnb hosts and short term mm -hmm. holidays. And we've done some work with them, we've trained them up and Maddie's also produced a really good information sheet for um, short term let property owners that um, sort of highlights what they might see things like young people being involved in county lines and being taken to holiday lets as, as part of that exploitation. Great, thank you. It's really great to hear about all these different areas of work and, and how you're engaging with such a broad range of partners. And so I believe that one initiative that you have developed is a peer group conference. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about this peer group conference that you have set up and give us some examples of the things that you look at when assessing the safety of a location or a peer group, and also some examples of how you would intervene to increase the safety of these spaces. Yep, sure. The, um, the peer group conference came about, um, it started in August 2019. Um, I should say before that, we've, we've had quite a long and successful history of, of trying to map the risks with young people, but it was very much on an individual basis. We were looking at, um, children in isolation and then what we saw locally last year was a real sudden explosion in in what felt like um slightly organized youth violence um group offending young people being attacked in our parks um and lots of information was held about those children but what we didn't understand was how the children were connected and where they were spending their time, how they were spending their time, who was most at risk and what those risks were. And there was a lot of really good work going on, but it just felt like that would always be limited if we didn't work out how these young people were interacting with each other. So 
The idea of the peer group conference was to get together all the different people who held information and um, would be able to help us understand that better. So we brought together, I suppose on the surface, what might have seemed like a bit of a disparate group. Um, in the meeting, we had a park ranger sitting next to someone from a school, which wouldn't normally happen. Um, but we brought together all the high schools. We had a really good take up. We had all the high schools across our area. The early help service from West Sussex. Um, the YMCA, our parks department, missing persons team, youth justice. I mean, it became really obvious at that first meeting that everyone held so much information that really needed to be linked up. People can refer in a group and they don't have to know much about that group. They can just talk um, in very general terms about the group or they can refer in a location where we know young people are spending their time. So in the meeting, we, we look at the locations and we look at trying to understand what behaviour and activities are happening in that location. And then we, under, we try and look at the risk. Are adults going there that are trying to exploit young people? Are there older young people um, that might pose a harm to some of our younger children? So we look at who can help increase the safe use of that space, first of all, because what we're not doing is we're not always taking that disruption and dispersal approach where we're trying to get young people to move on which has been historically the approach like if there's a problem in a park let's make it hard for them to go there we don't want to do that we want our young people to socialize safely in our community so we look at who can help increase the safe use of the space so a good example of this is a really small what we'd call a pocket park not a big open space but quite a small park it, it's in a residential area and lots of people don't know it's there it's it's not overlooked much and it's between two high schools and this became quite an area of concern we had a possible sexual assault there we had a very young child um, taking drugs there and we also had reports of older people um, visiting the park and engaging with the the children so we were quite concerned about it the schools didn't know about it even some of our local police officers don't always know about it when we talk about it so um, it's very hidden we raised that at the peer group conference and the, the two schools that are adjacent to the park kind of worked out a bit of a rotor between them. So they increased their presence there and they also talked to the children in their schools about going to the park, finding out who, who was going there and what was going on there. That really sort of increased the safety knowing that the schools were, were about, um, but also we raised awareness with the parents. So there's something else we do from the conference is if we've got a particular area where there's a real possibility of harm. We work with the school to do some communication with the parents so that they have the opportunity to talk to their children. Because I think we often forget the parents in the equation, that yeah. some of the parents are you know, key to understanding and equipping their children with um, how to be out and about in their own community. So we include safety tips about having a safety plan, understanding where you might go to if you start to feel unsafe in that area. So other interventions, we've looked at a skate park that's um, very close to a McDonald's and we were worried about some of the activity going on there because they the McDonald's Wi-Fi had quite a far range so it was attracting large groups of children so we we looked at reducing the range of the Wi-Fi to keep children closer to the, um, the sort of more populated end of the park. So those are just some of the examples around the space. We do also talk about individual children um, because we need to understand the different roles children might have in a group. 
we, we recognise that peer-on-peer -peer exploitation can happen. So we have to try and really understand um, how those children are interacting and what relationships might be harmful within that group. Um, we also try and look at what function the group might serve. So why do they like that area? What's happening in that area? Um, so we do sometimes end up with individual action plans too. So that can include referrals to support services or helping to get one of the children or a group of the children involved in positive activities um, that keep them more in safe spaces if, if we're worried about that. So I don't know if you wanted to add anything about the peer group conference, Maddie. Um, I think you've covered most of it, but an, another thing that we look at, which I think is, is actually really important, is how close those locations that we discuss are to sort of transport links, especially when we're looking at exploitation in the form of things like county lines. Um, it's really important for us to, to have that link with railway staff um, and BTP because sometimes we do have people traveling from out of area to engage with our young people so whilst btp often are unable to physically attend the meetings they they do um look at the agenda look at our minutes and feedback where they've got any information or or they can nominate um locations if, if they do have concerns so um i think that's that's really helpful in understanding sort of that the wider links that our young people are, are building um, particularly with others outside of our immediate area. Thank you, that's really helpful, really interesting examples. And you've been very busy because you've also been working with planning, um, I believe. And could you tell us a bit about this side of your work and how you have worked with planning to help investors and developers consider safeguarding when developing proposals for major projects? Yeah, this, this is quite new. Um, it's a really exciting time for Adrian Worthy and we've got lots of new investment coming to the town, lots of people who want to look at commercial, commercial and residential um, developments, which is ultimately a really great thing for our area. It brings in money and it increases opportunities for local people. So um, sometimes it felt like I was the person sitting there thinking, oh, okay, well, that sounds good, but that design doesn't look great or um, you know I can see how some people might misuse that space so I have to say we're really lucky in our organization all the departments are really up for trying new things and working across different services to to try and get the best um, resources for our local community so I approached uh, planning policy so planning policy develop a document called the local plan um, I think every authority has one, but a local plan is um, a way of trying to look at the, um, well, to balance out uh, the benefits of developing a space with the impact. So it covers things, um, anything to do with land use. So new homes, businesses, community facilities, green space, transport infrastructure. Um, and it sets out a way that we would like those things to happen in our area. So it seems like a really good place to get a commitment to considering safeguarding children and young people. Um, and I went and met with the team and explained about our contextual safeguarding work and how space is really key to either enhancing or um, decreasing safety for our children and young people. And, and they were really 
up for it. They didn't take much persuading. And it's now been written into our local plan that anyone who wants to come and develop some of our space in our towns will have to give consideration about how that development will impact on the safety of children and young people. So it's not a cause to turn down a development, but it, it puts it in the minds of the developers that they have to think in that way. Um, and it does give us a tool to go back and ask them to have another think about what their development might look like. So um, that's, that's really new. I haven't got a really big example of how that's working, but um, we did have a recent example of um, redevelopment of one of our green spaces. And it's, it's had quite a big chunk of money and there's some lovely plans for it. And they, they came and showed uh, myself and a colleague plans for the um, kind of the visitor center in the middle of the park. And we looked at it straight away and we were like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that because it was kind of doing a sheltered area with benches and lighting facing a wooded area away from um, any sort of exits or the um, sort of local community wouldn't have had any kind of eyes on it. It would have been quite hidden. And, and I think straight away we said, oh, no, you're going to get a really uh, secreted group of young people there on a regular basis and so it was just some tweaks around the lighting and where the benches might be just meant that there would be some some oversight from the surrounding properties um, on anyone who wanted to gather in that space so they were just really receptive to that and it was really nice to be able to influence that and then just thinking in a few years down the line I could have foreseen that that would have become quite a problematic area for us we would have been quite concerned about what might have been happening with um, our children and young people in that area and, and, it, and it didn't take much to try and um, put those interventions in that meant um, that they could socialise safely there in the future. That's great, thank you. And as you said you were able to try a lot of new things and that really comes across in all these examples that you have shared with us. What would you say has helped you to champion these contextual safeguarding approaches in your local area? And how did you manage to get buy-in from all these different partners? So I think the first point that I'd like to make here is um, I feel that language is really, really key because I'm very intentional as much as I can to try and talk about our children and our young people. I think young people get demonised and um, sort of othered by lots of sectors of um, our society and I think just that simple thing of reminding people that we want to keep our young people safe and it's in everyone's interest that our children and young people can socialise um, and live alongside us as safely as they can. So I think that that's my first point that if you're trying to get people on board you've got to um, really foster that sense of being in it together to keep people safe and I think we're often trying to get people on board who don't see their role as safeguarding. So we're always having to tell a different story to different people about contextual safeguarding. So when I think about the work we've done with taxi drivers, local businesses, and even some of our council services, where they don't naturally see it as their role, you have to try and make it fit their role. So that's why when we're thinking about the bespoke training that's happening, in next year um, it will look different for each department so we will tell 
the people who are collecting our bins something very different about what they might see than we would from you know our environmental health team so we try and pique people's interests first of all by by saying actually you do see this in your job you can help us in your job and this is how you can do it so um i think it's really imperative that you're aware that you're, you're not telling one story about contextual safeguarding and also we look very much at who can help us increase that community guardianship out and about um, and that's part of sort of the taxi driver stuff the park stuff um, the park stuff staff in particular um, are seeing so much and we can sell it to them as well by talking about the reduction of antisocial behavior um, we've had recent situations where some of our park equipment's been damaged beyond repair and so the sell to the parks team in that situation would be well actually if you let us know about when you start seeing groups gathering we can we can work with our detached youth outreach to go and engage with them and we can just understand what the risks are in that space before it ends up in a very costly repair to your um, parks equipment. Um, I think the peer group conference has made a huge difference, you know, just schools sitting alongside partners um, and seeing the penny drop about how everyone holds a different piece of the puzzle and how it can all fit together, uh, I think has been really invaluable in getting the buy-in. Uh, I think on a, on a sort of wider level, anyone working in local government has to acknowledge that um, it's a political environment and our work often gets directed at a very strategic level by what our elected members want to see. So I think getting your elected members on board is really important. Um, we update them a lot. Um, we give them the information that they need so that they can champion the approach and just weave in those stories about how keeping young people safe can really um, feed into all different areas and contribute to thriving communities. So, yeah, I think it's just about understanding your audience, sharing the wins, feeding back when someone's given you some information that has made a difference is, is going to keep that continued engagement. I think, I think that's basically, I think with anything, it's communication and relationships is going to drive forward any piece of work. So, so that's where the energy goes from our team quite mm -hmm. a lot. Brilliant. Yeah, those are really important points there about creating partnerships, community guardianships, and also the importance, like you said, of, of establishing those connections early on and having these early conversations. Mm -hmm. Are there any particular tools or resources from the Contextual Safeguarding Network website that you have used or adapted to support this work? Yeah, so um, one of the first things that we actually sort of used from, from the network was, was the business survey idea that that you posted about um, and we we've adapted that so that when we have any concerns about young people in an area that has businesses surrounding it um, we can go to those businesses and sort of just have a have a conversation with them about what they are seeing what they're experiencing and sort of sort of what their role is or could be in keeping young people safe so we've we've done a few of those um in the last year or so and they've actually been really successful in helping us understand um the impact that sort of youth maybe antisocial behavior or where young people are, are being exploited the impact that can actually have on businesses as well so 
it's not just about keeping our young people safe, although that's that's the priority. It's also about working with those businesses um, to see what we can do to, to help them where, where we can. And that's just a really good way as well to, to get our faces and, and our team known in the community so that they know that there is someone they can pass reports to if they see anything that's concerning. Um, and someone that, you know, they could just have that conversation with if they say, oh, I've seen this, should I report it to the police or is it not something that police would deal with? Um, so that's been really, really helpful. And and so from, from the network, we've, we've come up with some other resources that we do use. So um, we've recently started doing audits in our parks and open spaces to see um, whether any sort of physical changes could be made you know something as small as um, reducing the height of a bush or something just to make sure that there's good visibility or there's good access to entrances and exits if if any of our young people needed to get out of an area um, quickly um, and and what ties in with that is our hotspot directory so we're aware that there are key locations in our area that regularly come up as locations of concern so we we've made a directory which um, sort of includes a map of these hotspot areas and also details sort of what agencies um, are involved or need to be involved in sort of combating any issues in that area any local resident groups so for example we have lots of um, friends of groups that um, that work in parks and do nice community activities in the parks. So involving them in, in um, the work that we're doing. And that sort of helps us identify really quickly who needs to be aware of any issues rather than sort of scrambling around trying to work out who we need to contact. That information's already there. And um, more recently, we've actually created a, a trigger plan. So when an incident occurs involving young people, and it could be that they've witnessed an, an incident or they could be the perpetrator or the victim. We've got a process in place now which details the partnership work that, that needs to be done um, to ensure that everyone's aware of what's happened and able to respond appropriately and have, have the relevant oversight. And that includes community work as well to sort of encourage that idea of community guardianship. So all of those ideas have sort of come from the network, um, which has been so helpful because I think that gives us a sort of thorough basis to sort of deal with anything that, that comes our way, really. Brilliant. Thank you. We're always very interested to hear how people are adapting these resources. Um, so these are really useful examples. Thank you. And lastly, I wanted to ask you about some of the key challenges that you have faced or that you still face when using contextual safeguarding approaches and how you try to address these challenges. Maybe if you just share some of the, the key ones, because I'm, I'm sure that there probably are quite a few with this new type of work. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say are the main ones? Um, I, think, I think some of our challenges come from being a lower tier authority. Um, we have to put quite a lot of work into selling our value to services uh, that sit in the upper tier authority. So, I mean, I don't think we naturally spring to mind for people in social care and education when, when they're looking at some of their own safeguarding challenges. We have our expertise in really knowing our local area. We know who our community champions are. We know our businesses. 
um, we're able to connect people really well but I still think that that's probably undervalued a little bit by people in statutory services I think we're getting to a really good place now and I think the peer group conference really helps with that um, particularly as uh, West Sussex builds its contextual safeguard in response as well but um, it still feels like we're always having to jump up and down and say you know have you asked us well, we know about that um, and it, it's not it's not coming naturally and I'm sure that's probably a bit of a frustration that other lower tier authorities share I think it's got it's it's taken quite a while to get the schools communicating freely uh, the schools are so busy they've got so many challenges and they're dealing with you know a crisis um, particularly covid related mental health amongst their children and their, their pupils so it's taken a, a while to build that up and i think maddie's post has been key in that because what maddie's really good at is just checking in with schools and keeping the communication constant and sharing information with them and it's not just at a point of crisis that we're we're talking to them and um, I think actually Maddie's become a bit of a go-to for schools if they're worried about something like she said before sometimes people just want to sound something out um, with our team and to know what to do next and and I think that's been just chipping away, reminding people we're here and also showing some value in the information that we can share. We're not always just looking for information to come in. We're, we're trying to share it to increase safety all the time as well. I think one of the challenges as well is around short-term funding. We're funded through the Safer Communities Partnership, um, which is short-term funding year on year. It would be really nice to think that we had a good few years funding and we could really have some longer-term aspirations about where we want to see this work go. But there's lots of triumphs on a daily basis and overall when I think where we were three years ago to where we are now, where we've got buy-in from the schools, we're all meeting regularly, our parks department are thinking about what do they see while they're out and about cutting the grass. And I think we've made huge progress. Um, so yeah, I'm sure the challenges will keep coming over the, over the next year or so, but um, I think overall we're doing as much as we can do um, locally to try and keep our young people safe. It certainly sounds like you've made but like you have come such a long way in those few years and I think you can be very proud. Um, thank you so much, Sophie and Maddie, for sharing your work and your reflections with the network. And we wish you all the best for next steps. Thank you very much.